This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida. And I am Emily Thompson from Wellington, Florida. And you are listening to a special jumping edition of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for August 1st, episode 1751, brought to you today by Essequestrian. Good morning, Horse World. Oh, my God. It's Tuesday. It's top-class show jumping uh, at the very best. Every horse is different, and you've got to be able to understand and read each different horse. Remember, we're looking for those clears in this round to go forward to the jump off. You can't ask for anything more. It's just pure theatre. And welcome back, Emily. The first Tuesday of every month. How you doing? Yay. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. We should do more. I miss you guys. 30 days is a long time. Yes, it is. You you get a lot done in thirty days down there. In it's like a whole yeah, it's a whole new life. <laughs> when we talk again, it's like we have to like go over so much stuff that it's, it's like, like a new, it's like a new season on your favorite series every thirty days. It is, it is, which is scary when you really think about it because thirty days shouldn't be a long time, but in the horse business, it's a game changer. Yeah. Well, what, since last time we visited, you bonked your noggin. Oh my gosh. Um, so how, totally. how's that going? How's the noggin doing? It's doing so much better. I have, unfortunately, when I was younger, I'm like right on the um, age limit that did not have to wear safety helmets as a junior. I wore the velvet hunt cap with the harness and, you know, like it was such a fight when I was 19, I think is when they made it mandatory. And I, I was like, this is crazy. Cause we just didn't grow up like that. But I did hit my head, you know, a few times when I was younger falling off, whatever, nothing crazy, but I think cumulative having quite a few concussions like that. Now I always wear my helmet. Like I'm not one of those professionals that even flats with their baseball cap on. I have it on all the time. Um, and I always like look, check the safety ratings, you know, like I got the best one. I, I'll, I'll pay the money for it. So I had my helmet on everything, but yeah, I got hit hard. I got headbutted twice. Ah, twice. Uh, one of the, twice. Yeah. One of the little guys crashing through a gymnastic. It, it wasn't even dramatic. It was like, it could have been no big deal, but he pulled me forward and uh, wrong place, wrong time. And he didn't, it wasn't his fault. And, uh, anyway, so yeah, I had no experience with that. It was crazy. I was like forgetting everything. I was nauseous all the time, like nuts. And it, I mean, it's been like eight weeks. I had, you know, all kind of cat scans and MRIs and everything. I had brain swelling. Ooh. Um, drive the neurologist didn't clear me to drive. I'm only just now, probably this week is like my first full week putting in my full workload. Um, but you get tired. I didn't, there's like all kinds of symptoms that go on with a, a, along with the head injury, like irritability, the forgetfulness, just fatigue. Um, so it's, it's been interesting. So I, I get a lot, lot better, but then like this week is my first full week and out in the heat, you're heat sensitive. Who knew, you know, like I had no idea that was going to be a thing. All of a sudden I'm like, okay, I've reached the threshold. I have to go sit in the truck and turn on the AC like immediately. (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, getting better. And then I get back out. But so this week I'm working hard and it's so hot, right? Isn't it so much hotter than last summer down here? We are having a brutal summer in Florida this year. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. So I'm feeling it, but I, you know, I, I'm getting better. I'm so grateful that I didn't have any like serious, serious injuries. And I, I think I'm going to be, the horse show comes back like so perfectly. This worked out that I got like my head smashed. And then the horse show, they canceled the middle circuit down here in Wellington. Cause everyone's doing the Venice circuit, which is awesome. I want to shoot up there. Um, but so like I couldn't even, cause I do sales horses. And so yeah, I ride for a French dealer and my phone's ringing like, what's going on? And the horse is showing and the horse. And I didn't want everyone to get nervous cause they're all up in New York. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I take it a little, taking it slow, kind of hit the head a little hard. Uh, we're going to get to the show soon, but they did, there were no shows. So like, I did, like I couldn't next week is the first week that we're going to have the show back and I'm ready. So very grateful, but wear so, your helmet. kids. Yeah. Wear your helmet. That's for sure. And, <laughs> and when the doctor says you should take it easy, take it easy, take it easy. I pushed. And then I ended up back in the see, ER. You, ha- you, yeah. See and, you, you uh, backtracked a little bit. You can't push through that. I hate to say it, but I actually did go to work with ice packs polar wrapped on my head. See, I thought I was like, I just got to put some ice on there to be fine. Mm-hmm. It's not fine. And then I was oh, like, I don't know what I ate for breakfast. Like, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. You can't power through a brain injury. Yes. Case closed. We did not know. We tried. It is a fact. Yes. A fact. So there you go. So your head is getting better slowly, but surely yep. good to know. Now the other update we have to have is on your baby horses because oh, Emily yeah. always has an assortment of baby horses around. So give us the updates. It's true. I love those baby horses. I've been, I, I own, I own my own stallion. As you all know, he's got great papers. Um, I think he's got four or five on the ground now. I don't own them all. Um, and I had a little bit of bad luck in the beginning, unfortunately lost a few. So have been breeding longer than the babies we have to show, but his oldest is uh three now and she Philly, she is spectacular. She's going to start jumping through the chute. I'm going to post her on Facebook. Uh, when she jumps through there, she's going to have great technique. And then we've got the two year old, um, who I, uh, Glenn actually saw when she was still, uh, nursing last year when he came down, oh, we, yeah, we did like bring your friend of. to work day. <laughs> Remember I was like taking around all my accounts to all the barns. It was hilarious. But yeah, that picture of this like monster size, I mean, that baby was still nursing. She was like dragging me, you know, down, down the side of the barn. But so she's two now. She looks amazing. She is just, she went through an awkward stage when she was a yearling. And now all of Gloria's babies go through an awkward stage. They look amazing when they come out with big crusty necks in the back and everything. And then they turn one and you're like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> we got to hide it. You know, don't let it like. Buck toed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like legit. Like the, le- the the joints aren't tight, you know, so they're walking like drunkards. Their legs are flopping everywhere because they're going to be big, I guess. You know, they're not yeah. like the little thoroughbreds that get tight. But yeah, like I have right now. Okay. Then my other yearling who is the full or yeah, now he's a yearling. He is the full sibling to, um, oh no, no, that the red one that was just born Harley, he is the full sibling to the one that Glenn saw the mm-hmm. huge, big monster Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just go through such an awkward phase that I have people at the barn and you'd be surprised how many times I don't tell people that we have babies here. I'm like, Aww. ah, well you have them in the, my, my stalls in the back. They just look so weird at that yearling that stands six months to year age. And then they look beautiful. Thank God. The one that Glenn saw readily, she is stunning now. She's out in a pasture with her friends and she, the gates are, are amazing. But if you could have seen her, no one will see her because I took no pictures. The whole yearling. <laughs> it didn't happen. That's actually but safer that out. way. Because, you know, if you yeah. take awkward baby pictures for funsies and put them on your Facebook, oh, no. that means they're going to get out there. Oh no, my one little yearling Halo that we fold last year. I mean, his po- I posted his uh, when he w- when he was probably like 
well, born obviously in one month, two months like this, same like Harley, the little red one that we have now. They're so cute when they're nursing. Right now, he's a yearling. I had him up in Ocala. He was on great grass and everything. He's down here. I mean, he looks like, I mean, maybe he's like lives in someone's backyard, like out in the middle of nowhere in India or something. Like he's from like <laughs> another country. Like, you're like, is somebody feeding this horse? Like, why is he, he they just, so much bone and weird shaped and butt high and crooked kind of leg like not the legs well, are going what they do yeah totally but we have no documentation of that so <laughs> it's probably better have, probably yeah better the one way. to three months and then we catch back up when they're like one and a half or, yeah, or two but it's fun it's just so cool to watch them grow it's exciting you know now the oldest one is old enough that maybe we can see a little bit what we have with the with the breeding it's it's cool i i'm so glad that we did it it's I'm like the cat lady though. Why do I have so many horses? I have like six horses I'm feeding right now. I'm not that person like financially. I can do it because <laughs> I'm a professional, but everybody is just like, Emily, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you multiplying them? Like more? You want more? Well, so, so how many, you have the, the stallion, your little black stallion. And how yep, many, how many sure. mares do you have? Right now I have two mares. Um, I had more, but I did place a couple of them that I was not going to end up breeding to my stallion. So right now I just have two. Um, that's reasonable may, enough. That's reasonable enough. And then I've got the stallion, the big daddy, and they are going, I've already got a cult halo is out of the one Caratino mare. Caratino like is such great breeding. Okay. She's Zangerscheid, which is like the top stud farm in the world. Uh, Melchior signed her papers by hand, you know, like they did it, but her grand sire her father's sire is the same as her mother's grandsire. Oh, so she's got a she's got a Zuaro cactus for a family tree. You know? I, I was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, that's very aggressive. Like inside three generations yeah. to have the, you know, the same that gets line. Tricky. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. But I'm like, hey, they did it. I don't do it at all. Like I don't really mess with the line breeding. I don't. I don't know. I just it doesn't always sit well with me. But so she's there. She. She had a beautiful baby halo. She's the one though. She's sound. She's ready to get back to work. She had two years off to have the baby. Um, oh, but how she, cool! I so made, she gets to go back to work and be a show horse some more. Yeah, yeah. She's only ten, coming eleven. So I'm going to get her legged back up and see maybe if I can lease or sell her out. She can continue, and she loves to compete. I think she she'd be a great mom too. But there's no reason for her to not going. And then my, my number will be a little more normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, not normal, but. Now, is your is your long term goal with the kids that you have on the ground right now to bring them up, get them showing, and move them on, or are some of them going to be lifetime horses, or don't you know yet? I mean, I don't know yet. It depends what they are. My my vision with the breeding, I've always been nutty about it and studying bloodlines for probably like thirteen years now. I've been crazy about it. Um, I really want to produce top sport horses. My dream is like international horses, global tour horses. They're big with like really good brains, but super talent, uh, scope, careful, all these things, but like no spook, like in a way also very amateur friendly. Um, but very elastic and it's like big equitation horses kind of in a way, but for top sport. Um, if they are, they, they're looking like that, but if they're not, then we have the temperament and then you've got a super amateur horse or or junior. horse. It's nice to see because frequently breeders will go, okay, I'm going to breed amateur friendly horses or I'm going to breed top sport horses. And it's nice to see that you want to bring both of those together because when you breed for top sport horse and really set aside the horse's character. 
the ones that are spooky, hard to ride, extremely hard to manage, but they succeed because they are so talented. They're superheroes of their species, and they're ridden mm-hmm. and cared for by the elite echelon in the sports. Those horses succeed, but when you take those characters and you have a horse that is anything less than superhero talented, he has a hard time finding a career. Yeah, if he didn't have the top top, if, if at the yeah. end of the day it's a meter 40 horse, meter 45, and shoot, you don't know that until they're like 8 or 9 or 10, yeah. you know, that's a long way down the road, but then you you don't have, I mean, I do sales, I have those horses in and out of my barn all the time where I'm like, man, if they would just be a little less spooky, they could yeah. go do the children's jumpers, yeah. they could go do the low juniors, but the temperament, it's like got somehow it. we've lost, yeah, you got, got you have to, like my little guy, all of these guys, like the halter breaking is it's a non-event it's not a breaking it's a nothing you put the halter on anybody can lead my yearling right now um if he wasn't so scraggly and scrawny looking i would Nobody's sit on him see him They're, they have to wear a blindfold <laughs> no. but anybody can lead him it, yeah it's tragic i mean i know what he used to look like but i spend like all my time like defending him to like the people in the <laughs> barn you know that are there that do have to see him they're like gosh he yeah, Caroline, my best friend that works with me, she's like, Halo looks like he's doing first position ballet with his back legs right Aww. now in his stall. <laughs> like, oh, no. Halo, come on, man. Stand up straight. I got to move you into the other stall where we can't see you from the cross ties. because." And he's just hanging out with his head out, standing like a drunkard, you know, like, oh, Lord. But he, they, they tighten up. They get older. But the temperament, I think you see that, that is lost. You and the hunter people, I think they're focused a little more on it because they need the the suitability and the yes. quietness. But yes. yeah, if you're breeding tempers, I mean, they're like doing cartwheels when you're putting the saddle on and yeah. it's just it's, like... It's nope, nice to I'm- see that you're finding ways to bring the athletic talent and the character together. I hope so. I really hope so. That's my vision. So it's a long-term vision, been rocky and up and down, but that's... That's what I'm hoping. So I, I'm good about posting. People should check it out. My Emily Thompson Facebook page. Yeah. I'm going to make a page for the babies soon too, because you know, they'll be, they'll be for sale. If somebody, you know, I, yeah. I do this as a business. If I have to let go of one, I will, but I think they're, they're top, top quality. The yeah. little Harley, the new one, the red one is so cute. There you go. Ta-da, well, we've got quite the show coming up here. We've got Emily and, or, or Lindsay and Lindsay, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> We're going to chat about, um, the state it's going to be kind of a state of the union show. We're looking at a lot yeah. of things at a global perspective. Totally. There we go. Yeah, we've covered a lot of ground. I think it's going to be really interesting to just see an uh, overview with people that are they're in it, experiencing it. There we go. So, uh, why don't we go ahead and get our first guest, Lindsay Brock, on the phone? We have our next guest, Miss Lindsay Brock from Jump Media, here to tell us what's happening and changing in the horse show world today. Welcome to the show, Lindsay number two. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we got to connect. You're number two. I don't know if I told you this, but both of our guests are named Lindsay today. Oh. And both last names <laughs> start with a B. So we're keeping it confusing here <laughs> in the <Yeah>. show notes. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for making the time for us. I know you're a busy girl out there covering all these top horse shows and I just thought it would be so cool to hear from you since you're out there what's changing I mean stuff is changing out there yeah for sure of course I'm, I'm happy to come on anytime um and yeah I think um I've been with Jump Media going on about three years um and been in the industry 
several more years than that. Um, and yeah, I think at the horses that I attend anyway, um, and I'm covering, I think, you know, you're starting to see some changes, uh, for sure. And I think, I think the biggest one that we see now is that there's so many horse shows out there. Um, there's, there's so many horses, horse shows sprouting up, horse shows growing bigger. Um, and I think that's the, the major change that I've seen, even since I have been covering some of these top shows is that there's a lot of options, um, for, for riders and, and trainers out there. And then, um, I think, I think there's two other things that I've noticed that are changing significantly. And that's that, um, I think the entry level or the grassroots competitors, um, are growing significantly. I think in the smaller divisions, um, be it hunters or jumpers, you know, you see a lot more people jumping, uh, you know, smaller than three feet, 65 centimeters, 80 centimeters at the horse shows. And, and I like to think, uh, that, that that's a positive sign for the future of the sport. And I think that, um, it aligns well with what our U.S. Federation is trying to do, and that is include, you know, anyone who, who dreams of one day showing their horse, that they have the opportunity to do that and that they have a safe um, way uh, to accomplish that goal. Yeah, and that's then, interesting because that's, that, yeah. is, that, that is like you hear both, both sides of that argument all the time, right? You're like everybody or not everybody, a lot of people back in the day, we didn't have 0.85 or meter. You had to start at three foot six and then you went to four foot six and all this. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me too, when I was a kid, I'm sure you as well. And now that it's changing, I I'm with you. I think it's really positive, but you get people thinking that it's not, uh, developing our riders or it's lowering the standard or something. But I think you're, you're exactly right on that. The, the divisions are growing because it's accessible and it's a safe place to start that allows more people to come in. Yeah. And I mean, right now we're in the midst of six weeks of sh- horse shows at the Vermont summer festival, um, up in East Dorset, Vermont. And, you know, as you cruise by the, the jumper ring, you know, you hear the numbers that are jumping, you know, 0.65 and 0.8 meters and, and the numbers are huge. And I think, you know, it's not only an opportunity to welcome some of these riders into the sport at a, at a height that's safe and comfortable, but you also see a lot of people who are choosing to start young horses at that level, you know, they don't have to wait until their horse is jumping, you know, a meter 15, meter 20, meter 30 to enter them in, in young horse classes. They can, they can start them out small in a horse show environment. So I think it's twofold. I think you see a lot of young riders and people or even older riders like myself getting back into getting back into showing. In those. And then you also see a lot of people starting their young horses out uh, at that height. Um, and then, I mean, I think on the flip side of that, you know, the, the third point that, that I see is that the level of competition at the high end is rising. I think you see, you know, horses getting better and better, uh, you know, whether they were bred here or they were imported from Europe, you're seeing the level of competition continue to climb. And, and that's also, you know, you're seeing more talented riders come along every year. Um, you know, we see every year, uh, I'm in Vermont this summer, and then in the spring, I was at Old Salem. And then in the fall, I'll head to some of the indoor competitions like Washington International Horse Show in D.C. And, and the Royal Horse Show in Toronto. And every year we see people on the start list and we're like, oh, who's that? And, and then we see them start to win these classes. And, and that's, that's nice to see. 
Yeah, that is interesting because it used to be kind of the same usual suspects out there winning classes. Yeah. But yeah, now you're like, whoa, who's because I'm not always at the shows, So I just will read, you know, the press release who won. And I'm like, who is that? <laughs> like, where yeah. did they come from? I mean, you're watching them come up the ranks. But yeah, they're just and then they keep doing it. It's really and, and to your point about the horse shows, there really used to be just however many a handful of major circuits, a couple, you know, like a Lake Placid or something else thrown in between. Now you're seeing all these other shows like the Split Rock and, you know, even uh, Nona Garson, George D'Ambrosio's shows there at the Ridge down here and everything. They're popping up and they're, it's needed apparently because the market wants it. The numbers keep growing and they're really taking off. And all of a sudden there's like more and more and more. It's wild. Yeah. yeah and I think, I think the important piece there too is that, you know, there's room, you know, in, in my opinion and, and the observations I've made at the horse shows that I attend and and cover is that the market is growing. And I think what some horse shows, why they survive is that there's places inside that market for all those different kinds of horse shows you just listed. And, and the successful ones know their market, they know their rider, they know their exhibitor, and they they own that, they're creative in keeping those people happy, um, you know, whether it's through customer service or the course designers that they hire or the footing that they, that they put in the rings and they listen to all that feedback and whether, you know, I think, you know, you see examples in what I just mentioned as well. I think the Vermont Summer Festival is a really family-friendly, relaxed, um, you know, show for whether it's young riders who want to jump their first Grand Prix or whether it's young horses who need to start getting experience in the Grand Prix ring. You know, you saw um, Matthew Mattel won, entered his first Grand Prix the week of, of Vermont Summer Festival week one and won that Grand Prix. Um, wow. And, you know, that was, that was a really exciting moment for him and for the horse show as well, because that's exactly the kind of thing that they're trying to present an opportunity for people to move up, to introduce young horses and to, to grow the sport from, from the base level up. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, I think you have horse shows like, um, you know, the old Salem farm spring shows that take place in May where they're really working to gain FEI rankings and attract top riders while still keeping that, boutique feel of a horse show so you know i think there's places there's room in the market and there's certainly enough riders and enough horses to support more of a grassroots horse show and then also attract all the top names in sport you know here in the u.s so um yeah they really cover everything it is and like also too i think which is different than when i was a kid like okay you had your children's jumpers and some of your name division divisions that had like a classic and you wore your whites and stuff there seems to be so many more opportunities for the lower height lower level classes to do like a classic or like you know a gambler's choice or like it's like we're grooming our in my opinion i think we're grooming our riders better uh, for those, for those more high pressure situations by being exposed to it all the way, you know, it's not like you're putting your yep. whites on the first time in the welcome stake. Like you're like, Oh yeah, I did this. I did a p- six bar competition. You know what I mean? <laughs> for like the meter classes, you know, they like, you see that a lot. Yeah. And I, I think for sure. And I think that, you know, exposing whether it's, you know, a five-star show or it's a national level show, I think, you know, offering classes like that, you know, we offer a weekly hunter derby at the Vermont summer festival. And it was, it's interesting to look down the class list and see 
you know, half the class is juniors and amateurs who feel comfortable moving up and doing their first derby. And, you know, those people are, are excited about the sport. And, and I think it's exciting to see them there and, and showing against these professionals, sometimes beating the professionals. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Those kids, I think, that, I think you know, they ride so good. Yeah, they do. They do. And I, I think, you know, the, the other side that I, I think that shows, you know, all shows now in the U.S. are starting to try and, and work on is, is spectator engagement and really getting, you know, communities and, uh, you know, behind the horse shows. You know, we, we do the Washington International Horse Show in the fall. And, you know, one of their, obviously, you know, they really strive to offer top competition and they do every year, but the other think they tried just as hard to get, you know, Washington DC interested in horse sport. Um, I mean, you can go and watch, you know, last year you could go and watch the entire U S team from the Rio Olympics uh, show for as low as $15. And I think that's, important and that's really special that you can that you can do that and it's really nice to go to a horse show like that and see packed stands in the u.s (laughs) yeah which is different right i mean the spectator side of things obviously that's so important but do you feel that that's really growing are we doing everything that we need to do to keep that aspect of our sport growing yeah i mean i think you know it's 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 easier for a competition like washington i think because you know they uh, obviously anyone who's ever been, you know, that horse show. My takes favorite place show. Right yeah. <laughs> right the Verizon <laughs> Center. <laughs> yeah. In DC. So, you know, and it's a qualified event, you know, they aren't doing a lot, you know, the competitor base is, is there. And once, you know, X amount of exhibitors have qualified, you know, that's your competitor. So then it, it frees them up to do a lot of marketing to, um, to to the spectators and i think they're a prime example i think you know the smaller shows it's a little bit more difficult but i think they you know they can see what shows like like washington are doing and and you know try and emulate that and 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 pack stands and i think you know obviously uh when you're not indoors like you are at verizon center with washington it relies a little bit on on a little help from mother nature um but you know, I think the smaller shows that are in communities take, for instance, the Vermont Summer Festival. I mean, last weekend, the sun was shining and, and there wasn't an open seat in the bleachers or on the grass. So yeah, cool. I, I think we're, I think we're getting there. I mean, there's never, you know, of course, you could always have more spectators roll in. Um, but I think I think people are realizing that, OK, you know, the sport's growing at the exhibitor side. Now we have to try and grow it at the, at the spectator side and get people engaged even whether they ride or not. So this begs the question, the Vermont show, not an empty seat in the house. What are some of the things that you think they are doing well that causes those spectators to come out and, and watch the show that other shows maybe aren't doing as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one thing that they do particularly well is they really, engage with the community on a sponsorship level, on a spectator level. Um, So, you know, obviously the Vermont Summer Festival is set near Manchester um, and anyone who's visited there knows the Manchester designer outlets are there if you're a shopaholic. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. And so each, each Thursday welcome is sponsored by a different store at Manchester designer outlets. And I think 
that is inter- an interesting way to kind of weave the horse show into the community and not have it just be, you know, that horse show that rolls in for six weeks, uh, you know, out there at, at, at the showgrounds. Um, I think there's a presence in, in the community. Um, you know, they partner with local restaurants as supporters of the, of the horse show. They partner with local lodging partners as supporters of the horse show. Um, so I think it's really an effort on the side of the horse show to really step out into the community and, and introduce themselves to local business owners, um, you know, and, and whether it's through sponsorships or partnerships, I think that's all very important. And then, you know, when you walk into a business that supports the horse show in Manchester, you know, there's a little flag outside that says Vermont Summer Festival uh, supporter. And, you know, our, our show programs are, are, are inside the businesses. So I think it's, it's an effort on, on the side of the horse show. Um, and I think that's something that Vermont Summer Festival does really well. They do do that really well. And then you've got the, those amazing mountains. The whole back backdrop is just beautiful there. I love Vermont. So yeah. I have a, I I have a question people- for, for Emily, because you are at the other end and that you're the competitor at these shows. Right. When you choose what venue you're going to go and show at is, and I, because in, in the eventing business, this is a factor. A lot of spectators creates what horsemen call atmosphere. Is that something that plays into where you choose to be a competitor? That's so funny. I was going to ask almost like a similar question oh, to Lindsay. Great minds think alike. <laughs> About, yes, but exactly. Like if you're the competitor, you know, like how do you, there's so many different options out there, so many different levels of horse shows, and it is really fueled by the spectators, by the management, you know, by the level competition, if they've got FEI classes. So you just, for, for me personally, with my sales horses, a hundred percent, like I, a place like Vermont, like I love to hear the stands are packed out there and that's, you know, it's not that there's going to be people from the town coming in. There's going to be horsey people, non-horsey people. It's such a great collection and that's because of the management and for me, what I do, that's what I need. I need the the young horses to be around that. They're yeah. all, all of my horses have shown, but they're kind of at that place that they need. We're, we're not top, top yet. All of them are, you know, they're breaking through some more than others, but, but that's first, what I need. Your first Grand Prix under the lights is not the time to expose your horse for the first time to quote exactly. atmosphere. <laughs> so totally. as a competitor, and like even- the show organizers, it, it is a it is a win-win-win. It's good for the competitors. It's good for the community. It's good for the show management to make an effort to bring out these spectators. And it is going to change the demographic of who is going to want to show because you get horses to that certain level. And these horses that you want to move up to the next level, you want them to be going to Washington or you want them to be going and winning in Wellington. You're going to go to these community supported shows because they have the atmosphere you need that you can expose them to it. They can become a better show horse and everybody gets a gold star. Totally. Like, uh, old Salem is such a good example. I mean, I've shown there ever since I was a kid, they've got, you know, I'm local in that area used to be, um, then they got the winter shows. Like before I was good enough to go down to Florida in the winter, I've got all my metal McClay points and like, you know, sub zero temps up there at old Salem. And that was a different atmosphere. There were like three people there, you know, like everybody <laughs> yep. was freezing. Yep. And it's then, very different. but yeah, yeah it's very, di- but that's what I needed at that time. Like I didn't need anybody to see that I could not trot jumps well, or like I go off course and jump the wrong jump, like 50% of the time. Like that's where I was. 
But then now you see what they're doing with these, uh, the charity weeks and they've got the uh, FEI dates. I mean, it's such, you can get to that atmosphere and that, Lindsay, don't you think that's sort of a a small collection of shows that offer that here in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, back to your question, I, I think people, trainers really take a step back and kind of look at the you know, the climate of their business. And that's how you decide what shows to go to. And I think, you know, Old Salem is an interesting example in that they offer kind of all of those opportunities. So like you said, Emily, they have shows every weekend, basically throughout the winter where, you know, equitation riders can come and and get their points uh, for finals without having to go down to Ocala or to Wellington. And then, you know, in the spring, they have an FEI two-star and three-star. And then again, all through the summer, you know, they kind of have more low-key events and they actually just, and then obviously in the fall, they have the American Gold Cup, uh, which is, you know, the top of the sport in this country. And then they actually are, are um, making an effort to kind of uh, ramp up on their fall classic that they started offering last year. Um, and that kind of takes those two and blends them together into a national show. Um, they give child adult jumpers and young jumpers the opportunity to jump out on the Grand Prix field. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, an interesting way to get, you know, last year I, I showed my horse out on the Grand Prix field. Uh, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> a couple of weeks after, you know, Kent Farrington won the Gold Cup, uh, which for me, <laughs> when would I ever had the opportunity to do that? So I think, you know, they, they get it and they kind of realize the different levels of competitors and trainers and businesses in the U S and I think they offer something throughout different shows for all of those people. Yeah, I know. It's so good. It's, it's, it's changing. So I'm so glad you're able to call, call in. We're running out of time, but you all can check Lindsay and jump media out online. It's jumpmediallc.com for all your news. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for calling in. That was super educational. It's exciting. Of course. Thank you so much for having me anytime. Well, safe travels up there back to Vermont. We'll talk to you soon. It's always so nice to chat with Emily. Or Li- em- what? I've got Emily on the brain. It's always so nice to chat with Lindsay. And she's so articulate. And to- It's nice that she has a more positive but still realistic outlook on the state of the hunter and jumper disciplines. And you notice I, g- I gave them each their own. The hunter discipline and the jumper discipline. Um, they right. do not need to be lumped together. It's nice that that she has a, a what I think is a good outlook on the disciplines because yeah. you, hear, you hear a lot of naysayers and doom and gloomers. I know everybody back in the day we had to jump you know six foot jumps in our first horse show and it's like okay <laughs> but like you know like we didn't touch on this when Lindsay was on the phone but like also like you were on a thoroughbred like it's a very different animal than like a you know half plow horse which is what we're breeding now like yeah. it's just you got the market's got to change. And with all these entry level classes, I, I agree with you. I think I love hearing that. Cause I unfortunately hear so much of the negativity about that. And I'm just like, I don't, I mean, shoot, they got 25 people down here in the 0.65, 0.75 yep. and they're learning. And you know, it's at where they are. It's a struggle for them. It's a good thing. Like we don't want them jumping any bigger right now, That's but right. they can come and spend the money at the horse show, encourage spectators to come. Yeah, no, I, I, she, she's a great one to talk to. Yeah, it's like saying that having peewee football is dumbing down the NFL. Yeah, I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) 
No, they gotta the start NFL somewhere. still the NFL. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, I, I'm always perplexed with those conversations. It's yeah. like, to me, it doesn't even, it's, I don't even get it. I don't understand how you can have that viewpoint. Yeah, but, but there it is. So let's catch up because we always do in the middle of our show because things are always crazy and wild and new and different over at S Equestrian for all of our new listeners, we've got lots of new listeners since we spoke last. Remind everybody what S Equestrian is. S Equestrian, it's spelled E with the accent C-E, is a passionate project of mine. I've been doing it about eight years now. It is an athletic-inspired equestrian clothing line for show. Um, although I wear my stuff all the time, uh, because it's so hard wearing it. The idea behind it is to have all of your top technical fabrics, top of the market, stain treated, wrinkle treated, you know, UV 50 plus everything that's available in the technology department, and then put it into a finely tailored product, which is where we, what, what our sort of like background is. If you want to look at it, like if we come from hunting and then we've got all the equitation, the hunters and all this, people love that tailored look and they're not going to let go of it. We've tried to make it like NASCAR or like, you know, rodeo, like with the logos on the polos and everything. And really what sticks is that tailored classic look. It's just so difficult with the wool and all the old fabrics. Um, so we found a way to pull the top fabrics together. We manufacture in Manhattan. We do show shirts, hunt coats about to release the britches and it, it is that if you don't touch the fabric and get close or wear it, it appears to be an, a classic uh, tailored piece. It's more modern. You can check it out. It's online on our website. It's ECE, which is pronounced like the letter S. So it's sequestrianco.com. We're also on Facebook. And you can see the line, the men's, women's, short sleeve, long sleeve. And we do made-to-order show coats. So they're essentially custom in your colors. You can do your own logos uh, and uh, colors rather on, on my logo, the S logo, which is very cool. It's an E with a flag. It looks real sharp. Or we do, you can, you can change the colors, a couple of different color options, like a custom thing. But what's, what's really, really custom and is taking off is our custom program on the show coat or uh, sorry, on the competition shirts. We do offer that for the men's and the women's. Um, you, at this stage, it's a five-piece minimum, which is like makes it so much more flexible and accessible to people. We used to only be able to produce like 30 of a logo at a time, but now you can call in, contact me or through the website, and you can order a five-piece order of the shirt in your size with your own logo on the inside collar. The inside collar is essentially like a very high-grade swimsuit material, so it comes out of the washing machine like dry. You can just put it on and go. Um, and the screen printing is sharp. Our screen printers and everything's made in Manhattan and they do like Nike and like, you know, this Venus Serena Williams line and all this, like nothing bleeds and it's super sharp. Uh, we do the custom show, uh, shirts for the colleges, for the IHSA and oh, yeah, the, the IEA teams. ones are cool. I've seen a lot They're of those cool, right? around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the fun thing is, is that there's so many, like they're obviously logos. I would never come up with their produce and there's so many different logos out there now, but the kids love them. Um, it's a slightly modified shirt for the IHSA, but you can contact your school riding team if, if, you know, if you're an alum and you can still get in on the orders and get shirts. They're great gifts. Uh, those orders tend to be larger, but yeah, for your own personal logo, you can do a five piece minimum and get whatever you want in that shirt. It's been really, really taking off. We actually, you have to go on my Facebook, Emily Thompson. I, I think I'm going to post it on the S Facebook as well, but just as a joke, my brother does our management production management and on his personal page, not on the company page, he made this like silly little drawing and it was like this little stick figure, uh, 
uh, doing a very positive gesture of the two middle fingers up. And it says, I do what I want. And I was like, that's a little bit his personality. It was funny. I mean, it's mine too. And I was like, ha, 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 whatever. Like nothing will come of it. I will tell you, we had so many people message and, <laughs> and comment and order. It actually became its own production. And we've already printed the liner. It's going to production. It's hilarious. So like legit, if you have something that you think is could be fun or interesting, or you could pull a little group together, we'll make it for you. And it's the turnaround is pretty quick. It's right there in Manhattan. Uh, our our company is based out of Manhattan. So it's quality control. We're looking at the product and making sure it all comes out well, but that stuff is fun. You all got to go check it out online and see. Definitely. That's, that's going to just, that's going to get you a lot of traction. I think you've got to get that one out there. I think it's good because, you know, we're small. I built the company myself. I did not go to school for it. I'm a horse girl. I maintain my professional status the whole way through. Um, I, but I, I had to turn the gears myself and the company is it's doing it. It's standing on its own feet, but we don't, we're not animal. We're not one of these customers companies that can go drop, you know, hundred thousand dollars or something on a marketing budget. Like it's honestly word of mouth. Um, yeah. and people like with our IHSA teams, like I don't even, sometimes I run an ad in their brochure for their finals. Sometimes I can't at, at that time, but it's the teams they are wearing it. They show up at the shows and the other kids are like, Oh wow. Like we want all 30 of our team members in that logo with their, and then that's, what's really taken off for us. So it's fun. Cause it's been sort of like organic and it's, and now it's got a, a momentum of its own, but that custom program is where it's at. I love it. That is so awesome. It's so neat to, cause when we first met you, S was really just getting off the ground. So it's kind of, that's neat right. To, yeah. At the trade it. show. That's yeah. When we all met. Yeah. You were at the trade show for the, for the first time. Very and, first time. Yeah. 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 And uh, watching it grow and mature and really find its own personality. And, and we were, we we're chatting before we started the show today about all the great and awesome, amazing things that S is going to be doing in the next five years. So stay tuned, folks. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Got stay those tuned. britches coming. Got those britches coming. Well, we've got another guest to chat with today. So that is going to be our other Lindsay, Lindsay Baum. And uh, why don't we get her on the phone? We have our first guest on the show. Miss Lindsay Baum is a very talented rider and trainer specializing in kids and junior development. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Um, Jen, Coach Jen. Jen sorry, Jen. <laughs> we've only just met. I was going to say Jen. Uh, right. No, you got it. You that got other, it. That other lady, she's here too. That other, she's it's Coach Jen. It is. We're so glad you could make it, Lindsay. I know I've been talking about it for a little while, getting you on. Um, you you got so much experience teaching. Lindsay's a trainer uh, down in South Florida, um, doing so much with the kids. It's impressive. It's a hard, it's a hard niche with those kids. I know I've, I've taught a bunch, um, but you're so talented at it. I thought it'd be really fun to get you on and pick your brain a little bit about your experience with them, good exercises, you know, how you start, but tell us a little bit about your, your background. You know, I know, I know because I, I know you and we do quite a bit of business together, but, but tell everybody how you got started. Um, I started, I mean, my mom was pregnant and riding around with me in her belly. I've always loved horses. Um, when we were kids, we rode and showed in the hunters and then very early on switched over to dressage. I have a background in, I mean, my mom's been riding dressage since we were kids and Robert Dover and Heidi Erickson, a lot of big names, London Gray. So I was kind of immersed in the dressage world uh, very early on and took a liking to it. Um, and then decided I wanted to jump. So I switched to hunter jumpers. Um, when did you do that? 
um, 21 or 22 years old. It was when wow. I, I worked for Dan Kelly and it was awesome. It was a working student position and he basically didn't pay me, but I got to show horses and he let me jump them and I learned a lot. Um, he was amazing and uh, was probably the, one of the best people I ever worked for because he was just an amazing horseman and coach and uh, it was an amazing time in my life. And then from there, I just kept going. I didn't realize you had all those years at the dressage. It makes sense because you got such a great long leg. You flat so well. That makes yeah, so much sense. It has opened the door for a lot of opportunity. Um, having done like, you know, a lot of the young rider stuff and having, you know, ridden with some of these dressage people. I mean, putting Betsy Steiner on your resume is pretty neat. So, yeah. But you work for some top jumper uh, riders as well. Didn't you have some, you had some business with Ann? Yeah, I, I worked for a year with a uh, rider for Ann Krasinski. And um, I worked for Jimmy Toon, did a bunch of equitation. Um, I'm trying to think. I worked for a couple other people, pretty big names. And it's not coming to the top of my head right now. Um, like I said, Betsy Steiner, I was a working student for Carol Grant. I don't know if you know who she is. She was the first uh, woman to win the Pan Am um, Games as a woman wow. um, in massage. Oh, wow. Um, so, that, yeah, I definitely had my share of um, amazing female mentors in my life as well as ma male mentors. But the women are definitely strong. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, you've had so much exposure to different teaching styles, different programs, and uh, between the two different disciplines uh, yeah. to, to really be able, that's got to play a huge role in why you're so successful targeting the progression with these kids and the juniors, because you know, you know, you've had so much different, different style teaching, and then being out at the horse show, I know you've spent a lot of time at the horse show, but a lot of time at homeschooling too, you were extremely yeah. well-rounded, which is rare, unfortunately, these days. Um, you go and you can job. brush your horse too. Yeah, yeah, and I clean stall. <laughs> and she clean stalls. She and she can pick out her own bit and put it on a bridle correctly. Yeah, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I always said you walk into things and you take what you want and you leave the rest. So you do it the way they want you to do it, and then stuff sticks with you, and you just take it and move on with it. Some of it doesn't stick with you, but that's just the way things are. Why, why do you think or what really pushed you to, to specialize so much in these kids? I mean, obviously, you've had uh, a lot of success with it, but did you purpose to do that or did it happen? No, I'm a big kid. And then yeah. when I had my son, I decided that I needed a job and uh, school was hiring for lesson program. And I just found my niche. I love kids and they just. They just are so easy to teach, um, so much harder than an adult. I mean, an adult really, like, they want to know why, how. Kids just kind of, like, you throw them in there and they do it. Um, you know, everyone's different. I mean, everyone learns differently, but I just get so much satisfaction out of watching them grow and learn and their enjoyment in doing it. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, they really do. Well, you're really good at it. I mean, I don't know. I think I might have my kids crying or something. I can't imagine <laughs> if I did like the volume, like you're good at it. Like they're always smiling, even if they're having a hard time. But do you, I mean, like, okay, oh. there's a thing, like, don't they, the, the, uh, the sort of emotional aspect of it with the kids that get scared oh, yeah. or they're tired oh, and you've well, got sort of all these other elements. I mean, yes, that element's always there, but you can always kind of like 
pick that out and like work around it. But like it's the teenagers. It's once they hit that age where they're 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 emo- they can't control their emotions. That's when you're like, I didn't. I just said can or why are you crying? You know, um, <laughs> that's gonna go with any hand in hand in with um, adolescent females, and they just sometimes can't control their emotions. But you just work around it, and you're you're their friends. I mean, you're there for them to have a good time, and you know. Riding isn't always a good time, you know. Sometimes we learn from the challenges that the horses give us, and um, you know these kids—they just you just grow with them, and they learn. And and when you get through it, it's, they're they're happy and they get it, and uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch. Do you think that is a better, more successful approach to the training when you're saying you're more like their friend versus you know like the disciplinarian, like? holding water at the end gate, you know? Well, it works in my, it works in my advantage and it works in my disadvantage sometimes because I have kids that sometimes they get to that age and they're just like, no, I don't want to do it. And, you know, because I've been friendly with them and friends, they don't respect me enough, but you just have to look, you have to stop and say, okay, let's try it a different way, approach it a different way. I mean, you know, every kid learns differently. So you just have to think like, okay, with this group, you know, sometimes things work out perfectly and the, the stars are lined up and the lesson goes great and they all they all work together cohesively. I think group lessons are super important because it gives them a chance to stop, see the other person go, even if they're better or worse than them, see where, where, where they lie, see where they go, hear my critique or criticism towards that, and then they go. And it also gives the horses a break in between. So it's not like yeah, you get all that. Too like listening, yeah. feeling, seeing yeah. if those are like the free learning. Yeah. Because classes. I have moms that are, I want you to focus on my kid, focus on my kid. Well, it also, the group lesson also adds the element of fun. So a little bit there, you know, they have their friend there. They have someone they can communicate with it about, about it. You know, they want to, they want to discuss it afterwards. There's another person to discuss it with. Um, yeah, totally. I always loved group lessons. That was like my social hour. Not really. I mean, I would get yelled at if we talked too much, but you know, like when everyone's standing in the line, you know, waiting for your turn to canter around the ring or whatever in my walk trot lessons, even. Yeah. And there is that you, you learn more and then you can sit and think about it for a moment before you get to have to go again. And then the watching but you're right. You probably get that a lot. People don't want group lessons. No, they want, you know, they want their kids to progress and they think that, you know, having the one-on-one attention and don't get me wrong, that helps in a lot of situations, but the group lesson definitely helps because I'm a visual learner. So I know, I know it helps a lot to see someone else actually doing it. And lots of times, if you're teaching the lesson, you're not on the horse, you're on the ground. So if you can't, if you can't tell them how to do it and they don't understand it, but they see someone else do it, they, they, they grasp it more quickly. So yes, if I'm teaching sure. trot and there's someone in the ring that's not a group lesson, and I'm teaching the posting trot, and I'm not, I've got the person on the lunge line. Vis, uh, visually seeing someone posting always helps because then they're like, okay, you know, I see someone else doing it. Let me try to do that, and 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 it helps a lot. Also, video videoing, like you know, these kids want to see themselves jump and stuff, but it helps. It helps because then they see, oh, I, I'm doing this wrong or I'm doing that wrong. Let me, I want to try to make this better. My release, my, you know, my posting's too high. My heels aren't down. You get it in your video. You see it. So, you know, visual. Yeah, videoing is, is awesome. 
I love that people yeah, are always like, you're so vain. You watch your videos over and over again. Like after I show, I like watch my video on a loop. And like when I watch myself, I hate it. I'm like, oh my God, there I'm doing this. There I'm doing that. Like I'm not enjoying it, but I learned so much. And it's like, you it's do? such a good training tool. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it definitely helps. You know, they, it, it, they, sometimes if you're telling them and they don't fix it, you say, here, let me video. And then you say, here, see, and they can visually see it. That's a great tool. What so now? What about like your your very beginners? I mean, that's so challenging. If you have a beginner junior rider or a beginning child rider starting, where do yeah. you start, and how much emphasis do you put on your foundation after all the experience that you've had? What is sort well, of your training scale? I first start with safety. Always safety. I mean, lots of these kids have never been around a horse before. They don't realize that horses are flight animals and that they run when they're scared. So you have to be aware of that. They also, you know, where to stand around the horse. Um, you know, it's a big animal and lots of them are intimidated by the size at first. I mean, some people, some of the kids are not intimidated by the size, but I always start with safety, where to stand, um, you know, how to brush the horse, how to pick the horse's feet out. Um, you know, I, I sometimes will make up a goofy story just so that they get the kids interested and they're paying attention and uh, it works. It definitely works, especially with the little, little ones that their attention span. The biggest thing is like the little three and four or five, they, their attention span's not long. So you have to keep it, you have to make it fun and you have to make it like almost fairy tale. Like I can tell them, oh, this was a unicorn. We, you can see where the horn came off and <laughs> you know, that they, they believe that. And, and then they're interested and they're, they're listening to you and they're paying attention to you. Um, it's really important that they pay attention because, they are big animals. And like I said, safety is my first thing I work on. And then from there, and when they're on the horse, we the first thing you teach them how to do is to stop, how to hold the reins and how to stop because they need to know how to stop. Even if you're saying they're holding the horse, they need to know how to stop um, so that they have some control. And from there, turning, teach them how to turn around, stop and turn around so they feel like they have some control over the horse. Um, and then I'll put them on the lunge line and, um, we'll work on standing up. So standing up and stretching your heels down and I'll explain why having your heels down is so important. Um, and see how strong they are in their legs because some of the, some people in general or kids are stronger with their legs. So they just can hold themselves up. So, you know, they're probably going to pick up the posting a little bit faster. Um, so, and, and, and you go from there. <laughs> Uh, if they're, you, you have to gauge how comfortable they are You say, would you like to try a little trot? So you just, the first lesson, usually I'll, I'll just run a little bit and let the horse just kind of jog next to me. Um, and if they're really getting it, then you, you try a little posting trot on the lunge line. And like I said, I love to use another person in the ring as a reference. Look at her heels. Look, look at how she's posting. That's what I'm trying, you know, and you start with up, down, up, down, up, down at the walk. And then you slowly move the horse into the trot and you see if they can keep that rhythm and that balance into the trot. I remember that being so hard at the walk. Yeah. I was like, walk. yeah, because they don't push you out of the tack. I was like, this is like the hardest thing I've ever done. And then when they were yeah. trotting, I was like, oh, okay, thank God. Like, they're going to help me yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to be doing it's, squats. It's amazing once they get it because it's like, oh, okay, this is so much easier than, you know, trying to sit the trot or bounce it. Yeah. Out. What do you find like, okay, you've touched on sort of the 
the state of mind that you want your rider, your junior, your kid rider, honestly, we should all be there, but they, they, it's so important when they're beginners like that, they don't have all the information, but how do you, do you, when the kids are getting nervous, maybe it's case by case, but you have a little bit of the fear or they don't, they get frustrated or whatever you're working on. Do you push with them or do you back off? No, I back off and I'll just change it. So maybe I might even like have you doing something very similar to what I was asking you to do, but I'm, I'll change the exercise. So if you okay. have a kid that's scared to jump, maybe we'll go back down to a pole. Okay. You know, and, and then maybe you have to reassess the horse and find them something they're more comfortable on. I mean, you know, if, if it's a lesson horse and you can switch to a different horse or if it's, you know, I mean, finding the right match to, um, I believe that kids need confidence. So like I said, safety, again, the horse has to, it really, Lesson horses should be priceless because the amount of abuse that they take, and I'm not oh, saying that with someone are not feeding them, that's less that way. The amount of abuse in their mouth, that bouncing on their back, I mean, they just, they're wonderful, you know. Um, so, you know, finding the right match so that the kid can gain confidence is very important because once they're confident, you can start to push them. If they're not confident, um, it's a little harder to push them. Um, I tend to try to build their confidence first. Well, and you're okay. really successful because you do, I've seen so many of these kids are getting better and better. And I think that's an interesting thing to look at because there's also an entirely other side of the coin where you have these trainers that are like drill sergeants and being so tough, kicking them out of lessons for forgetting their gloves or whatever it is. And you create an entirely different state of mind. So you think like, as far as parents taking kids to go to lessons or they're, ha or they're younger, younger people and they're getting started or it's something to kind of be aware of. That's such a huge factor that puts you in one direction or another. And your experience, Lindsay, has been that not pushing, creating a positive attitude and confidence is more successful on a, on a bigger scale. Like your percentages of the kids getting better, going to the show, laughing, getting ribbons, having a good time. I think that's really, really important to highlight because you, you see it, you know, you're out there. I mean, you've experienced yeah. yourself. I'm sure you're like, whoa, like, are we in the army? Like, we're just I trying know. to have a good time here. The kid's six yeah. years old. <laughs> If the kid can't make the horse canter without a spur, I mean, there's no reason we should be giving it a spur. I mean, obviously she needs to make her legs stronger. Um, you know, not saying that she's not capable of making the horse canter, but, you know, if for some reason the horse is more quiet that day or, you know, you have to know your horse too. I mean, that's really important. Um, you know, and what they're capable of doing. Some horses just don't like being on the lunge line or some horses, you know, you put a spur on all of a sudden you have, you know, a rocket. It's it just, you have to, in, in giving a kid a crop, I mean, you have to remember their hands aren't steady. They start waving that crop around because they don't, <laughs> they can't control how steady their hands are. There goes your horse. I mean, you know, horses are, like I said, flight animals. You have to remember that. And, you know, yes, they are going to fall off. And yes, they're going to, you know, I mean, that's bound to happen. But, like, preventing it for circumstances that are, like, unnecessary, like a waving crop because, your child can't make the horse go, so you give them a prop, but they can't control their hands. I mean, if they can't control, if they can't make the horse go with their legs, then they shouldn't be having tools to make it go because there's a reason they can't make it go. Yeah, that's so like the American uh, epidemic right now, right? I mean, we're getting these little kids. They're like spurs. Their feet aren't even big enough to have spurs on, yeah. and they're not qualified to be steering the horse by themselves out there in the cross rail yeah. division even. It's scary. No, they have a yeah. walk trot class. I'm sure you know I'm telling you, but at WEF, you know, they do the walk trot on uh, yep. 
Sunday. I mean, like that is like the most nerve wracking right class. Our, right in front of our tent. Um, oh yeah. A couple times. Yes. Where it was quite a, I mean, the kids are great. They're so funny. You know, I mean, they don't know, they don't know what's going on, but they, they, yeah, they're so steering. I mean, there are a bunch of them out there. You're trying to corral them. I mean, <laughs> that, uh, I think, you know, basics, you know, they, they need to be able to steer and stop and, uh, you know, make the horse go without extra tools. Do you think that you wait longer than other trainers to push them to get to the show ring? No, not necessarily. I mean, if I have a kid that's confident and is ready to go out there and the basics are there and I feel comfortable that they're not going to fall off, I'll push them to go out there. But, but I mean, I don't want to send a kid out there that, I mean, if they're barely posting and cantering into a class that's they're expected to do more you know yeah i if the kid is cantering at home i'll put them in the walk truck class right once they can if they if they can care a circle and stay cantering you can start to push them to do courses and stuff or like okay. at least put a line of jump in but yeah they yeah they're not steering at the canter and they're just going around on the rail there's no point in putting them in a in a course yeah and that's probably then where you you start getting the fear and then the attitude like you're really focused on really the mindset of your rider which is going to be where they learn the best which is a perfect storm of your trainer and like you're saying the horses you know if people are looking for programs for their kids to ride and or they want to get back riding i mean these are those are the two biggest variables which are going to keep the rider in that state of mind but then the trainer's in charge of not taking it to a different place or being able to redirect so that you keep a positive fun you, engaged rider you wanna, yeah and you want to give them confidence so that when they they do move up and they're unsure and they're not confident they have the confidence there and it and it clicks for them you know and you know it, it they it, it just makes it easier for them but i mean there's kids that you can push i mean they just they're like okay i got this i'm gonna do it you know and they're just more passionate and more drive and then there's kids that have the passion and drive but they're they're more insecure and you know they're not ready for it and they, they you just have to listen to them it's just like a horse that you have to listen to the horse to know where when it's ready you have to listen to the kids to know when they're ready i mean some kids you push them you know they're ready you push them and if they don't take it well then you go back i mean it's just the way it is um yeah they're all a little bit different that, yeah, you, they're just, they're, every person learns differently and everybody has a different way of doing things. So you have to, well, I think that's the biggest thing is like that you're really highlighting. That's why I was so excited to have you on because you don't, um, you don't like, you have all the experience to where you could have a very rigid, you know, training scale. This is what we do. This is the next thing that we do. You follow this timeline, but you don't, I think that's why you're so successful because you're so focused on the, how your rider, where your rider's head is. Are they, are they uh, comfortable? Are they obviously in control? I mean, they all need to be in control with the kids. I mean, that's scary to release them out there into the ring. Uh, I think that's gotta be why you're so successful. And that's, uh, that's why I wanted you to do this. And for everybody listening, you know, Lindsay Baum is a super contact. She's down here in South Florida. She teaches all over the place, knows everybody. So if you all ever want to come down for lessons or you're visiting, check her out on Facebook, Lindsay Baum, and she can hook you up. Well, we won't take any more of your time. Thank you so much for calling in. This is very educational. I appreciate it. That was a ton of fun. Thank you, Emily and Jen for having me. Thank you. That was fun. 
That was cool. Such a great, great time looking at the, the big view of hunters and jumpers. You notice again, I put them separate. <laughs> we have to start doing that. Start doing that. So now we're going to drill down a little bit. And one of our favorite things to do on the show each month is answer listener questions. Yeah. So they were very kindly putting questions up on the Facebook page. I think these mostly came from the auditors page. And if you're not an auditor yet, you should be go to horseradionetwork.com. And on the right hand side, there's an auditor banner. Go check it out. You can become an auditor and help support horse radio network and get auditors only perks like posting your questions for Emily on the Facebook page. I know it's so fun. This is like one of my highlights of the show. I love booking the guests as well, but this is so great. So interactive and, the, the questions, they're, they're real issues that people are dealing with. And I do this, you know, I develop horses and I work with problem horses. So I love it. Yeah. It, and it's fun because it, someone will ask a question. You'll go, Oh, let me ruminate down on that. I haven't had a horse or a rider that has had that problem for a while. And it, mm-hmm. and, and you as a trainer or coach answering the question, rediscover things. It's like, Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. So it's fun for everybody. teaching is funny like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It gets you sharper. I don't always do a ton of it. This is why this is great for me. And I enjoy it so much because it does, it gets you in that mindset. I'm, I'm doing so much with my own riding and, and developing my own, uh, you know, horses for the sale and all of this, but yeah, no, I, I love this part. These are great questions. Always great questions. So first one we're going to do today is this one's, it is from Corinna. It's rare that I can do a good release over a jump. Either I throw the reins away or I don't release enough. Are there some exercises I can do to help me practice my release? Ooh, that one's a good one. That's like so, I mean, at, at the horse shows when you're watching, you're, it's, it's almost like your release and the way that you are riding it. You're such a product of your barn, your trainer. Like if you're at, you know, a hunter barn, like everyone's chucking the reins and doing it a certain way, or maybe not just a hunter barn, whatever, if that's the style. Um, and you see a lot of trending inside the different programs, but honestly, like there's a look, all the horses, they're going to need, maybe need a little something different. I have some horses that prefer me to have a softer contact. I have some horses that I really need to help with their balance up and over the jump. So you evaluate where your horse is. I don't think the, the rain, I don't think over a jump, you should ever have a loop in the rain ever. You should, it's sort of a shock in the mouth to chuck the reins away and then take it back up. You know, the bit hangs down and then comes back up and the horses put up with it and everything. But I think your best across the board, hunter, jumper, eck, I don't care what you're doing. There should be a elastic uh, connection with the mouth. Maybe you go all the way down to just a few ounces of pressure, but, and you follow the mouth. So you're not maybe stopping the movement of, of the, of the arc of the jump, depending on who you're riding, what the horse needs, but you're always kind of there. And then with that in mind, basically you're looking at balance. If you're unable to get uh, that just consistent, simple elastic contact. If your reins are too long, probably, you know, nine and a half times out of 10, you're also light in your lower heel. You're kicking your leg back. You've become off balance forward. And then the same as the other way. If you're not releasing, I'm putting $10 on that you're in a chair seat and you're sitting back and you're holding on to the mouth. So it just comes down to balance. So when you think of balancing exercises, depending on your level of horse and rider, I love bounces. Bounces are sometimes, if you're not super, super sharp with your distances, you can even put a trot rail and trot into them. So you don't have to mess around with distances. Like if you're working on your release, don't, we're not doing coursework. We're not working on distances. We're simply working on balance. So a variation of bounces are great. 
Um, trot jumps are so good because you just, even as a professional, I hate trot jumps because I never know when I'm leaving the ground. And I feel like my horse doesn't know when it's leaving the (laughs) ground. It just feels like a snowball nightmare every single time, but it push, it forces you, your hips and your body to listen to your horse's angles. And then you don't jump ahead. You don't jump behind because you don't know. It's not like when you have a distance and you're like, there it is, you know, and you're helping and you're jumping with them or, you know, you chip and you're sitting back. You really have to listen, but you're, it's that ready position. You know, your, your toe should be in line with your knee. Your heel should be in line with your hip. And as you close, you just, the hands for personally, for me, I don't care if you're doing a hunter jumper, eck, whatever. I think your hands should be generally in the same place, you know, quote unquote, automatic ish-esque release. I don't do the low, low hands. Um, I like to just have it a straight line from the horse's mouth, but I keep my hands kind of right around the wither area, a little in front of the wither and they just stay there. If you're in balance, you don't have to do a huge release because you're right over the center of gravity of the horse. So they curl around the jump and as they curl, if the balance is correct, they're not necessarily getting so much longer you know, in the profile and the top line. So it, it's more of a back coming up to you. So sometimes they may even come in a little bit um, with the chin and then you can have a loop in the rain if you're not thoughtful about your rain length. But I would say that bounces and trot jumps and even trotting into bounces. So you don't have to mess with the distance because that's just not your exercise. That's not what you're highlighting when you're doing balance. There we go. Good old grids. Ugh. Yep. <laughs> there we go. Hope that helps Corinna. Uh, Next one we have uh, from Stephanie, and she has a horse who was treated for Lyme, and now he is turned out to be spooky. He used to be very honest over jumps. Not sure what made him nervous, but now he is a nervous horse and tends to spook over simple things like striped cavalettis. So it sounds like this horse needs to gain some confidence and maybe... um, relearn that connection between his brains and his feet. So any help for that one? Yeah, that one, that one's interesting. It's almost an exaggerated um, issue of what is already like a serious problem out there. I do the sales, so I get horses and I do problem horses as well. So I'll get the horse. They're like, I don't know. It keeps pulling the verticals. It doesn't jump the vertical verticals well. And so they say it's got a bad front end. And then if that horse is still not learning, it's having the rails, then he loses his confidence. And then you've got a nervous horse and maybe a stopper, but it didn't come from that. He has a bad front end. Well, it did kind of, but like there's, you, you know, you can't, and like this horse has lost his confidence because he had, he was not well, he didn't feel well. So he was probably working a little bit and maybe in some pain, you know, a little disorientation, not getting all the coordination in, in that situation. What I would do is just start at the very beginning. I do with every horse that comes into me. Um, I just, put a halter and a lunge line on and build a little jumping grid without the rider and without the bit, no pressure, just give that horse the confidence and the ability to make some mistakes where there's no other interference and start to change their center of gravity. You can even honestly do it with a single jump. Like, you know, like I have all kind of crazy stuff that I build jumps out of in my ring, but even those like blue barrels, you know, you mm-hmm. could do those blue barrels and make a cross trail or just, you know, start small with a pole or something. Yeah trotting again is so good because they have to uh pay attention to where their feet are and just do that you know 50 times just trotting like not to work him down but just keep going just keep going so that he can he or she can get comfortable making some mistakes not having a punishment in the mouth not having a punish it's like almost the better horses 
have the problems faster and harder because they want it to go well and they're sensitive. So you have to just buy, that's what I would say, just start right over. And you may only spend, you may only do that once a week or, or a couple times and never again, or however you have to gauge it. But that's what I would do. Trotting jumps, even bounces. I'll do my horses, uh, build a little grid, put, put some placing rails so that they don't duck out, make it simple for them. But you'll be surprised. I mean, you'll have a horse that's jumping around meter 40 and I'll, I do it with all of them when I get them in. I'm like, all right, buddy, you're at Stella Farm, you're four until you show me otherwise. So, yeah. <laughs> and they and may that, be 10. That That's interesting because you hear a lot of the legendary trainers in various disciplines say that exact same thing in that whenever you have a horse that's got a problem like that, you go, wait a minute, he didn't used to do that or he's not careful in the front or he didn't used to be spooky before he went through this, that or the other either physical or mental trauma, you go mm -hmm. right back to the beginning and pretend they don't know anything at all. Yep. And you progress one step at a time, right from the very beginning, like he was a four-year-old. And it's amazing how going through that process again, they can come out on the other side and you're liable to find little bumps in the road. like, Oh, look, there's where the hole, where he's got a hole now where he didn't used to have a hole. Uh, yep. They come out on the other side a more confident, animal that is once again reconnected with his own body um totally yeah. totally and then you and then you you'd be surprised you think oh no now i'm starting back i'm not even sitting on the horse you know how long is this going to take me and it, it by starting a long time it doesn't it doesn't take long at all they in, inside two sessions i've got horses that are you know 10 years old they come to me with more meter 40 mileage and stuff i put them on the halter and i'm like good lord like i don't this is like the demolition derby this thing is like a lumberjack like i'm not going to be able to get on and do anything in the meter 40s <laughs> and that's probably why it was having the rails at the verticals you know because he wasn't quite sure and 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 we're trying to help him by you know readjusting his back molars off the ground trying to pick him up off of it in reality like he can do it himself like he needs to learn and have the confidence, but they come along quick. Like that little guy that's spooking at the road. That's what I would do with him. Put him in the halter. No low impact. If you need a little more, um, a little more control, I'll run the the lunge line through the side of the halter and under the chin and then clip it back. Mm -hmm. Uh, the lunge line won't always go through the D ring, you know, right. but it can just go under. you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. hook, you can get a little under the chin if you need it or just a loose halter, just make it easy. And the trotting is nice. And Sometimes yeah. you can then add some placing rails, but that's, yeah, start over and you'll move fast. There you go. Pretend like you have forever and it takes less time. Yep. There you go. Uh, what else we got? Uh, da -da -da -da. We did that one. Um, oh, this is an interesting question from Jessica. Bringing a horse back into work after a long time off. Advice for getting them fit enough to going back to jumping. So maybe we can talk about what are some um, some things that you look for before you start jumping fitness-wise for your horse? Or what parts of the horse are you getting fit, for that matter? Does he need to do work to get his cardiovascular fitness? Does he need to do work to get his muscles fit, his bones fit? What are we looking for? I mean, all of it. He needs all those things. Um, you can, depending on the age of the horse, you know, you've either got muscle memory or not. When I start the young horses, you know, you need to have the the legs and everything uh the everything tight you know feeling and you can get that just simply by walking like even in the hunting they do that whole roading season like that is like you a cannot, game changer you can never over you can never overstress how much walking a horse should do. yeah 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 and it makes them and that's i i do like those treadmills too for some of these jumper barns because it also then makes them walk straight because yeah. there's only so much room and that yeah. i mean game changer for sure they get tight you've got nice then you you know that your your joints and your your tendons and everything are are prepped 
then from there, you obviously do need to get some fitness at the trotting. You can get so much fitness just by doing a, a hard trot set. You know, they don't have to do like co- collected and extension and transition and all this dressaging. Um, they should do some of that, but you can simply just like power trot with a, a low frame and the backup for 20 minutes and don't walk. Like if you can do that and your horse isn't dying, then you've got some great fitness there. And then you want to really make sure that your key areas, your back, your stifles, um, the shoulder, the shoulder will come, but really that back and stifles is so important, um, that you can get, you can really build the stifles by thoughtfully lunging, um, doing some, like we were just talking about the grids, but that turning, if you've got good footing and and a a a sound horse, not with like a, a bad injury or nursing back, um, the lunging can be really, really good. And then from there, when you feel that the horse fitness wise is ready to start doing some cavaletti with you on his back, after you've already done a little of the free lunging over, then it's, it's basically coursework over cavaletti and poles even. So then you start getting the working, the turning, the lead changes, the rollbacks and tighten up all of that with the back and the stifles. And then you're ready. You, 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 your horse will tell you when he's tired, you know, don't push him too hard, you know, give him a day off. I like my horses to be fresh. I don't work my horses every day. You know, I see, I work, I ride for a lot of other people. I'm just like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, why are we riding him to death every day? Yeah. Like, who cares if he does tempi changes? Like, can he jump in the meter forties? Like, that's what I want to know. And can we not, you know, torture him for the week? I just, I let mine rest like, okay, pull him out. I like him fresh, do a nice 20 minute set something and then rest. The rest is so important because when they come out fresh, they work themselves harder. They get fitter faster. You know, and when they're tired, they, they're at risk for the, for the injuries, but but I think that they let you know, you know, maybe, maybe he does need to work two times a day and then rest a day. But you, you don't, I I just, I don't grind on my horses. I don't push, push, push. And they come along fast. And I think it's because I start at the beginning, I go slow, they're confident. And I do a lot with me, not in the tack so that like, they know their job. Like if you're like, you know, karate chopping the vertical at the trot at three foot and you're 10 years old, like I'm not riding you and you tell you cannot do that. <laughs> like you don't need to hear what I have to say. Like we already know what the problem is. Like, don't do that. <laughs> like figure it out, <laughs> get on over. And then, then when you get on the, the work is, is done and it becomes easy, but it should be easy and fun. Same like what Lindsay was talking about with the kids. I'm like that with my horses mm-hmm. and, and I get, I do a deal with a lot of them. They come in and out and, and that's been my best success is, is you got to be smarter and start from the beginning. They come along fast and don't, don't grind on them. There you go. When they, yeah, just because they've, if they've get, if they're getting it mostly right, or through giving you a lot of try, which is a very popular term right now, um, you don't need to be. That, that's a bad term. I was going to say beat a dead horse too. I just horse. felt like, yeah. I see I that. Like, I see that a lot when people are schooling horses, especially if you only have one. When they school yes. the horse, the horse is obviously trying really hard, but it's not sure. quite perfect. And in that same session, they will just grind and grind and grind on that same question and oh, answer. No. It's like the and horse like is the really trying, is- and he's not quite ready to get it perfect. Maybe yeah. maybe just and take like a left-hand not- turn and do something different or take a break for a while and let him think on that try and try again in another session. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, I'm such an advocate of that people. Yeah. They want to do it till it's perfect. It's like, you know, I don't ever expect anything to be perfect. I I'll as long. Yeah. I mean, you should can, see how some of these guys lunge tomorrow. over the jumps. It's, yeah. It's, it's one thing to be schooling and schooling and schooling on a topic when you're not getting a try. It's like, I need to rethink this. Right. I need to figure out how to get a try. When I get a try, is that an opportunity to, be successful for the day. 
Yes. Every time I think my so, horse tries really the, hard the in a question, I ask myself, is this a good point to stop, do something else, or quit for the day? Or is this a good opportunity to take that try and see if it steps up one? But I have to... I have to answer the question. I always ask it because I'm te- I tend to be the one who asks for too much and mm-hmm. then things don't progress as quickly as they could because I'm asking for too much or asking yep. repeatedly and, and nagging them. So I try to yeah. always be cognizant of, is that the try I should end on? Yeah. It's like what Lindsay's talking about. Um, Lindsay, number one with the kids. Uh, she's more focused on the character and attitude of her student, where they are emotionally, mentally, and all this can to, to accomplish the task. It doesn't mean they're going to do it perfectly that day, but like the horse we were discussing with the limes, that's now spooking and stuff. Like, I mean, it does that horse no good to then be afraid of his rider. Who's going to terrorize him to get over the jump. Then right. you, then you've got fear. It's then like you, fear. you, the character is the, the brain is not in the right place back up and let's get that organized. And you don't get it by being tough on them and scaring them. You got to go yeah. slow with them. And they come along fast. I always say, oh, it's going to take forever, I think. And then I'm like, whoa, like in the next session, they're, they're so much better because you don't have all that baggage of the emotion. Yeah, there you go. The last question for the day. This one is going to be from Kayla. This is a great question. Explain guide rails and what why you use them to help horses over over fences. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, they are. People get crazy with their, their rails. I'm just like, what? Like, you're not like a magician, you know? <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, it, yes, they're great. They're helpful. Like, you know, people love those V's. I saw that she was asking about the V rails on the front well, side. Explain what, let's, let's start from the beginning. Explain what a guide rail is, where they go, and what their intended purpose is. You're going to have different guide rails. You can have simply ones that are resting on the jumps as lanes, whether they be on the ground, on the jump, on the standard, whatever. So those are straightness rails. Um, Left and and or right-hand side to keep the horse going straight through. Okay. And you can put them narrow or wide or whatever, or you have the the rails on the ground, which are, I guess, placing rails, but, uh, but also guide rails to distinguish the exact size of stride and take off distance. You okay. can have that on the front or you can manage the landing stride. So you would uh, put with, that either before and or after a fence to tell the horse exactly yep. where to put his feet. So he takes off at the right spot and lands at the right spot. Exactly. Okay. So some people and call then, those set rails. Some people call them guide yeah. rails. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and it depends on your horse. I've got some horses that won't tolerate those and they're super jumpers. They're just, you know, they feel trapped. The guide rails are great. I mean, yeah, it does give the rider, uh, a visual, I think of the middle, middle, because sometimes with your greener riders like that, you're, it's a steering issue, you know, they're pulling on the inside rein, nothing on the outside rein and then overcorrecting. So it gives them guidance. Also, if you have a horse that has a drift, uh, that's a physical thing. He needs to get stronger. And if you're unable to capture him on that side and make him boost off with both legs, even he's not going to build the muscle memory, in which case you need to have the guide rails. And again, to our point about not, you know, badgering them and drilling on them. It's a nice, um, unemotional, uninvolved way to hold him straight so that he builds that muscle memory and learns what it feels like and the rider as well to actually jump straight. Yeah, because the horse is doing it for himself. He's not being, Mm -hmm. he's not depending on the rider to try and hold him up on that side. That's a great idea, yeah. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that, you know, that's a terrible feeling when you're doing everything up there. Like, you need to have a partner, and I think you got to create exercises that help them do their job 
Like they have eyeballs, like they know how far away they are from the jump. And if you explain <laughs> it in a non-confrontational way like that, like also we'd like you to go straight and not like dive violently to the left rather than having the conversation. Oh my God, they ripped me on the right side of my mouth. Every time I go to this oxer, I don't even understand, but God, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> Just like, let's not let's have a different conversation. That is, that is How so about you totally what horses are saying too? Yeah, it's terrible. I don't even I don't, like. Oh my god, something about oxers. Something about oxers in the right side of my face. I'm not really sure. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because the horsey, the horse, and I have to explain this a lot to people. The horse doesn't have the ability to go. Oh, I should jump straight because I'll get to the next <laughs> fence better. No, I, yeah. you know, he, he's coming. What's in it for me? When you put yeah. a guide, when you put an appropriate guide rail there, what's in it for him is he doesn't bump his shin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, buddy, just go straight, and then he, then you can have a positive reinforcement too. You don't have to get that negative and the harshness and the hand. People are very rough with their hands, and and they get frustrated because they know what we're we're going for, but they the horses don't like. They're just being good soldiers. They're jumping the hurdle. You know, and if you want more technical conversation, that's where the guide rails come in. So it's again, similar like the free jumping because you're not having this badgering relationship between horse and rider. It's a partnership. And then you are actually accomplishing the exercise it's like training wheels. And then you start to very, when they, when you take the rails away, the horse already has an understanding of what it did feel like. So there's the muscle memory and then just a guiding hand or just a gentle leg is going to accomplish so much more than it would had they not been there at all. I so feel so inspired. I love doing this sh show with you because then I want to race right out into the arena and put up a bu jump bunch of obstacles. Yes. So Nigel oh, hates this. But your boy doesn't like the poles. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably like, "Oh no, mom's on the phone with the crazy lady in the poles again." <laughs> I'm sure that's what he says crazy. too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he probably did free jumping well. He like introducing the poles on the lunge with the halter. Even yeah. just trotting because yeah. they just well, get nervous. They don't know I've, where to put their feet. Exactly. And I've been doing a lot of ground poles and little cross rails on the uh, the long lines. Oh, good. Which has been great because he wants to be crooked. He pops his shoulder out. <laughs> his favorite thing is to swing his, his haunches. So he, he, he comes towards the jump on four tracks. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that's so I favorite. got one like that, too. Yeah, it's that's so his hard favorite. to ride. And, yeah. Uh, and I'm able to keep him straight. And then I did... One time I took him out and we did a little bit in the round pen, which was actually interesting. He found that very challenging because I think he has a little bit of a bad memory with that because he got in there and he bumped a couple of the rails and the eyes turned into giant saucers and he had a complete meltdown. Really? Yes. He just lost his cookies and started flying around in there, and the rails were flying around like pickup sticks. He was landing on them. They were flying up in the air and hitting him. We're going, oh, my God. And he just I have a couple like that, too. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and I was shocked that they were like that. And I just sort of stopped. I was like, well, okay, you're a yeah. lunge jumper because you yeah. can't be trusted on well, your own. What I had to do is I had to leave the, I had to leave the round pen. I just walked out the gate, yeah. walked about 10 feet away, and turned my back to him until he stopped. And then I went back in, and we basically started over. I just put a lead rope on him and walked around. And I think... I think somebody worked in the round pen with him and scared him a little bit because he's easily scared. He loses his confidence. And mm -hmm. like, oh my God. It, well, that conversation that you just, you know, you have, you're, you're inside my horse's head. 
Um, yeah, no, totally. They do. And then what the relationship with the round pound with the tight circle is you're so close to them, you're driving all the time. Right. And you, right. I find with all these, cause I do all these sort of horses with a little bit of problems, you know, getting them over things, but the ones that are having that have a reaction like that is because they, they really do want to please, they want to do it. And somehow in the training, there was a miscommunication, they got scared and then you've got the fear, but yep. those ones really want to do it. So if you can find a way to non-confrontationally yep. give him the ability to feel and do it like with the lanes or like even if he's too uh you know four tracking out of the corner you can even put some lanes use some poles or some cones or something through the point of the turn mm -hmm. so where he has to turn and he can't throw his hips to the inside there yeah. but do, doing that rather than whatever they obviously did to him in the round pen because he was yeah. like okay i'm doing it yeah well the, the nice part was we did end on a lovely quiet note but i had to really rethink what pressure meant to him. Because mm -hmm. I thought yeah. I was being very low-key, very, it's okay, just have a little trot. And I thought, but obviously I way, very, way overstepped my bounds in his, from his point of view. And I was able to back <laughs> it off enough that we ended up just... The now, lid was off. The lid was off and we had to, uh, we, we ended up going through the rail at the walk. We had a set of four at the walk. Happy, happy, happy. And then when I picked up the trot, I just put it down to one pole to trot. So, well, well, oh, that's good. Let's set this up for success here. And we did just the one rail at the trot, both directions, relaxed, came up through his back. And he actually came up through his back over that one rail better than he ever has. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you're doing it right. You just back, back way up. People get frustrated. They think that they're taking steps back, but you're not. You're just like revisiting some basics. Yeah. Just he, go right back. Yep. He had to, he had to relax enough that he was willing to connect with his feet and think. Because he, get, yep. he gets kind of in that little panicky thing and he won't think. They can't think. Yeah. Same like Lindsay's talking about the kids. Yeah, the panic, the fear. It's all about the state of mind. And then there's many things you can do. But the training is so important to keep them there because they get they get upset. The, the good ones that want to perform, they get their feelings hurt. And they get scared. Aww, they, get your feelings like, hurt. they do. Like if they don't care, like I have some that are like, they don't care how you ride. They're like, you're getting eight faults. Like, I don't care if you're Rodrigo Paso. Like two of these jokers are coming down. <laughs> you know? And, and they don't care. They're just like, that's who I am. And I'm like, he's an eight falter. He's a good old boy though. He'll keep going, but you're going to have two Does, down. It doesn't matter how badly you ride. No. This horse is going to get you around with two rails. Yes. And yeah. you can kick and pull and he's not offended because he doesn't really care. Yeah. But the other ones, they care. And then they, and that's where you get the emotional aspect of it. But yeah, you, that's what your guy sounds like to me. He really wants to do it well. You just got to take your time. And you're my inspiration. <laughs> oh no, he's probably biting his hooves, his nails out there in the barn. <laughs> no, really, I hear them. They're going on again these, about the rails. These conversations keep me going. So, uh, as as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, Emily is here the first Tuesday of every month, and every month we ask for questions from all of our listeners. And if you're not an auditor yet, to it, go over to horse radionetwork.com and press on the auditor button and learn all about it and become an auditor, and then you get to submit questions too. Yeah, Yay. I love the questions. Yay, and thank you very much, S. Equestrian, for uh, making this show possible. Tell everybody once again where they can find S. Equestrian. Of course, yeah. This has just been so much fun getting S. involved, too, in the radio, uh, getting just the word out there. But you can find us on the internet is S. Equestrian, E-C-E, EquestrianCo.com, or we're on Facebook, S. Equestrian Apparel, or S. Equestrian for I-H-S-A, if you want to see just 
the college and the IEA teams. But yeah, check it out. Um, we're always here to answer questions. A very personal experience. Um, like I said, people call my phone directly to order. It's fun. You know, like they're out in California. I've got kids out there showing on the global tour. Uh, you know, Katie Dine and she'll call and order shirts personally. You know, you don't get that with, with your big brands. I'm like, you know, the designer. Um, so that, that part is fun. <laughs> there you go. Well, you can find links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. We're Horses in the Morning. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is Horse Radio. You can listen to us on your favorite podcasting player or on your computer, or you can have us wherever you go on your phone. We have our very own app. You can go to your app store for your iPhone or your Android. Just look for Horse Radio Network. You can download the app. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy. So thanks again, everybody, and we'll be back again tomorrow. See you soon.